weeks ago, I was having lunch at our Wisconsin Lutheran School cafeteria, and I was sitting down with, our, with three of our third grade boys. And I asked the one who was sitting across from me, you know, what color are your eyes? And what color are all of your eyes? Because they're an interesting color. And they said green and blue and brown. And I explained that I'm colorblind, so I can't see their colors. And then they asked me the same question everyone asks me when they find out I'm colorblind. Pastor, you're colorblind. Well, what color is this? And what color is that? So I told them, well, I think that's periwinkle. But it could be fuchsia, or maybe it's magenta. Now, I have no idea what those colors look like, but I also know they have no idea what those colors are either. Now, hopefully, all of you have the ability to see the wonders of God's creation in all of the beautiful colors God has given us. But more importantly, I pray that God has given you the spiritual sight to be able to see Jesus Christ as your crucified and risen Savior. History is filled with men and women who were drastically changed by the Holy Spirit and then were given the eyes of faith to see Jesus as their Savior. St. Athanasius was after wine, women, and song until his conversion by the Holy Spirit. John Newton, the author of Amazing Grace, was the captain on a slaver ship until he was converted by the Holy Spirit. I once ministered to a prisoner who had tattooed over his heart the number 666 because he was that opposed to God. He had even obviously dabbled in Satanism. And yet I was able to point him to his baptism as an infant at this font, that that symbol was more important, that that sign on his forehead of the cross was way better than some ink on his heart. Maybe you know someone who has been transformed by the Holy Spirit with the, conf- with the conversion. Maybe you are that person who has been drastically changed through your conversion. But one of the greatest transformation stories is recorded for us in Acts chapter 9. Saul was physically blinded after he had seen the risen Christ. He had been spiritually blind, but now he was given spiritual sight. He was now able to see his Savior so he could then serve his Savior. When we first meet Saul, he is standing approvingly at the death of one of God's saints, St. Stephen. He is there guarding the cloaks of the religious leaders as they are chucking stones at Stephen's head, as they are carrying out the work of Satan. Then we meet Saul, that he is terrorizing the believers in Jerusalem. But he is so zealous in his persecution of Christians that he travels by foot and by horse 150 miles from Damascus from Jerusalem to Damascus so that he can continue to persecute followers of the way and Saul's eyes were opened by being blinded on the road to Damascus he saw the risen Christ Jesus stopped him in his tracks both literally and figuratively And in the process, his eyes were opened so that he could see that the path that he was pursuing was a dead end. What he thought were lies about Christ 
was really the truth. And what he thought was the truth about Judaism, that was really lies. He thought that he was so zealous in serving God, and yet he was really persecuting God's people. That the terror he was raining down on Christians really meant that he was serving the devil. Saul learned the hard way that there was no way that he could stop the way. It was unstoppable. By persecuting Jesus' followers, Saul was really persecuting Jesus. That's why Jesus calls out to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And after seeing the risen Christ, Saul is blinded. And then Saul remained for three days with something like scales over his eyes as he fasted and prayed. Saul was a Pharisee. By his own admission, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. That meant he really knew his Old Testament scriptures well. And so during those three days of blindness, I imagine Saul reading through the scriptures in his mind, trying to figure out where he had gone wrong. And during those three days, the Holy Spirit was turning him around 180 degrees. Saul physically saw the risen Jesus. And during those three days of blindness, saw spiritually saw Jesus as his Savior. But that's not all. He also saw how much he was going to suffer in Jesus' name. Luke records for us in Acts, The Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the people of Israel. Indeed, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Ananias left and entered the house. Laying his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus whom you saw on your way here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from his eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul stayed with the disciples in Damascus for several days. Immediately, he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. The Lord was well aware of Saul's history. Saul, though, would now become his witness to Gentiles, to kings, and to Jews. He would suffer a great deal for Jesus' name. Saul was a converted man. He was a changed man. But he wasn't a different man. That doesn't make any sense. How can Saul be converted and changed and not be different? And that's because God used the intellect and the zeal that Saul had been using to persecute Christians. Now to use that intellect and zeal to use God's word so the Holy Spirit could make Christians. The name that Saul had been trying to silence, he would now have on his lips for the rest of his life. Saul went from being the great persecutor of the Christian church to becoming the great proclaimer of the Christian church. He traveled, was beaten, was chased out of cities. He was arrested and thrown in prison. He was whipped and stoned and shipwrecked and left for dead. And yet he still preached Jesus Christ and him crucified. He could not be deterred. Nothing would hold him back. He was fearless in his preaching of Jesus Christ. He saw and believed and he had to serve. 
today is the confirmation of four of our youth. They have been baptized and converted, and now they are confirming that baptismal faith. Like Saul and like all of us, we have been chosen purely by God's mercy, that there is nothing good in us that would make God want to choose and convert us. There's nothing good in us that would make God want to save us and invite us to serve him. Like we sang in the opening verses of morning prayer this morning, hasten to save me, O God. O Lord, come quickly to help me. Groucho Marx, if you remember Groucho Marx, he once received a letter in the mail accepting him into a club. Well, Groucho immediately wrote a resignation letter saying, I don't care to belong to any club that would have me as its member. Well, that's true of Paul, and that's true of any of us. Because if you were starting a religion, would you pick someone who hated you, who opposed you, who had the zeal to persecute anyone who followed you? Would you choose that person to become the great spokesperson of your religion? But that's exactly what God did. And that's what God did with you and what God has done with our confirmants. God didn't look for the best and the brightest. He didn't look for the most well-behaved or the most faithful. God chose a bunch, a bunch of people who were born sinful by nature and who opposed him. God chose scum and villains to belong in his church. He chose people who wanted nothing to do with him by nature. And even after their conversion, often want nothing to do with him. Saul, who became the Apostle Paul, had no illusions about who he was or what he had once been. In fact, he wrote to Timothy once, this saying is trustworthy and, full, and worthy of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. And then Paul also wrote, explaining to the Christians in the city of Corinth, last of all, he appeared to me. The stillborn child, so to speak, for I am the least of the apostles, and I am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted God's church. But by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit has opened your eyes. Hopefully, when you looked in the mirror this morning as you were getting ready to come to church, you recognized that there was a sinner looking back at you. But hopefully you also saw in that reflection a saint looking back at you. That's why our confirmands are here, that the Holy Spirit has opened their eyes to be able to see that reflection through law and gospel, to see that they are sinners who are in need of their Savior. That You have been saved by God's grace. You have been chosen by God's mercy. The Lord has come quickly to help you. By God's grace, the scales have fallen off of your eyes. You were born in sin and unbelief, but now through the waters of holy baptism, you have been made children of God and given the gift of faith. You were dead, and now you are alive. You were blind, but now you see. You were hungry, but now God feeds you with his word and sacrament. You were thirsty, but now God has brought you to the water of life. And now, you are so grateful for God's grace that you wish to save your Savior. Many of you, maybe it was a few years ago, maybe it was decades ago, you made the same kind of vows that our confirmants are making today. 
they're going to be standing up here and vowing to be faithful to the Lord, even unto death, rather than fall away from their confirmation faith. When I meet with the confirmands every winter in January or February, I ask them if they want to be confirmed. And then I try talking them out of being confirmed. Because I tell them that this is a really big promise that you are making. You're really young to make this promise, to be faithful, even to the point of death. But they're all adamant. They want to be confirmed. They want to become members. They want to receive the sacrament. So we pray for them and for us that the Holy Spirit continues to give them and us the courage and perseverance to remain faithful to that confirmation vow. St. Paul faced severe opposition in serving the Savior, and you're going to face opposition too. You're going to be tempted to, by your fiancé to move in with him or her before marriage. You're going to be canceled on social media because you subscribe to biblical marriage of a man and a woman. You're going to be bullied, all of you, for not acquiescing to and then promoting the transgender agenda. You're going to be silenced. When you try speaking about Jesus in any context in our culture today, you may lose your friends, you may lose your job, you may lose your freedom as you stand strong for God's will, Jesus' name, and the Spirit's words. Are you really ready for all that? Because the persecution is coming. If you're paying attention, the persecution is already here. You're going to be tempted to be quiet, to cower in the corner, to delete tweets and to uh, remove Facebook posts. You're going to be tempted to not call your friends to to repentance. You're going to be tempted to just let your children and your grandchildren continue in their sinful lifestyles so that you can have outward peace with them. You're going to be tempted not to speak out about our culture's constant descent into decadence and to change your mind in college or the workplace and then be tempted to just give up your total faith in Christ. And yet your triune God will bless you as you bless him with your courage and conviction that God the Father will send legions of angels to protect you. That the king of kings, that he can thwart any governing authority as they try to oppose you as Christians. That the Holy Spirit will give you the right words to say as you are dragged before kings and councils and courts to give your testimony. You have seen your Savior with your own eyes. Now serve him. Serve him as ushers and on the altar guild. Serve him by working on a church work day or cutting grass. Serve him by serving on different committees in the church or playing music for worship. But most of all, the four of you and all of you continue to serve your Savior by sharing your Savior. There are so many countless people in our world that still have the scales of blindness, the scales of unbelief covering their eyes tell people about the risen Jesus, who he is and what he has done specifically for you. Lead them to repentance and the waters of baptism so the Holy Spirit can take the scales off of their eyes too. Serve your Savior so that 
on the, at the end, for all eternity, you'll be able to join with the saints and the angels, the archangels, the cherubim and seraphim, the elders and the four living creatures singing, Worthy is a lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Amen.